Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Situational Awareness. In honor of the strong philosophy of perseverance and the wisdom of resting when you need it, the following commentary is about my favorite martial arts weapon. This weapon is the sharpest, most effective, most universally accessible tool in our continuing fight to survive in a sometimes aggressive and zealous world. We know that the fight you always win is the one you never get into in the first place. We also know that conflict avoidance and pursuing peace is an important perspective for all reasonable human beings who want to coexist with others and thrive. But what about when those aggressive or violent forces step to you and try to make you a victim and attempt to hurt you or your family? What then? Each situation has its own identity and circumstance. And it's not for me or anyone, even your instructor if you have one, to tell you how to handle that tricky and dangerous situation. The decisions you make on how you train vigorously, arm yourself, or build a bunker are ultimately up to you. However, please listen up to see what my experiences and the science of self-defense has to offer about the best weapon you will ever have, awareness. What is situational awareness? If I said, imagine you're attacked, what scenarios go through your mind? A guy pushes me up against a wall and throws a punch. I get a knife put to my throat. I'm at the bottom of a mount and my attacker is doing a ground and pound. Or my personal favorite, I'm walking down a dark alley at night all by myself and someone grabs me. All fine scenarios, but what happened before these attacks? And what are you doing walking down a dark alley by yourself? In other words, how did you get into these situations? In order for those attacks to occur, you would have had to utterly fail at recognizing a number of pre-incident indicators. These are easy to spot with just a little training and attentiveness. And you don't need to be a martial arts master, professional profiler, or psychologist to do this. In fact, every human being on earth has the ability to spot these indicators. All it takes is a little training. Everyone probably has a good idea of what situa situational awareness is, but let's go ahead and define it anyway. Situational awareness is your perception of the environment in your immediate vicinity, the objects within the environment, the relationship between the objects with a high consideration given to time and space, as well as additional variables such as predetermined and undetermined events, the critical indicators leading up to the events and your own actions within the environment. <laughs> now that sounds like a mouthful. And obviously, situational awareness can be a complex field of study. It's used by military, federal and local decision makers uh, and their authorities who work in dynamic situations, soldiers, air traffic controllers, fire firefighters, policemen, and other professionals have to make constant decisions based on moment to moment environmental input. But then again, 
so does the young woman driving to work on the freeway. Let's simplify our definition a bit. Situational awareness is knowing the who, what, where, why, and how of your environment. Who is in your immediate vicinity? What are they doing? Where are you in relation to them? How are they interacting with you and others? Why are they interacting in that manner? We are all experts in human behavior, being trained from birth to read the most subtle gestures or expressions with precision. We can sense when something's not right, a feeling known as gut instinct. Unfortunately, many of us usually dismiss it, immediately connecting it to some internal issue like lack of sleep or paranoia or stress. This impulse to categorize and silence our gut instinct can be dangerous. And herein lies our first and most important lesson. Always listen to your instinct. Follow your gut. Instinct is not magical or mystical. Instinct is simply your body's reaction to a cue or series of cues which don't fit into a particular social model. We'll discuss the concept of modeling later, but right now, we want you to understand that your gut instinct is physiological, not psychological. It's your body's way of telling you to pay attention. Whether you listen to that instinct or ignore it could mean the difference between enduring and ending your night at home or ending it in the morgue. Many times, your instinct may not be pointing to any kind of danger. That's fine. It doesn't mean you were wrong to listen to your instinct or that your instinct was wrong. It simply means that whatever set off your alarms turned out not to be dangerous. If it happens again in a similar situation, you won't get that something's not right feeling because it's now been incorporated into your scheme or model of that situation. Some security specialists liken it to sleeping in a new house. The first few nights, all the unfamiliar pops and creaks will wake you up instantly and put you on alert. But after a week, you can sleep soundly because you've gotten used to them and they're no longer unexpected variables. But if you hear a new sound at 3 a.m., you're in alert mode again, even before you have the time to form a coherent thought. That sound has interrupted your model and your body responds with a danger signal. Ask my family how, even while sleeping, my mind and body react to unfamiliar signals in the middle of the night. In the past, I've jumped vertically straight out of bed, out the bedroom door, and down the stairs in an instant before I was even fully awake, thinking there was something not right. Modeling is the way we interact with our world. A model, aka scheme, is a framework of preconceived ideas that helps us interpret and organize concepts or experiences. We all do this. For instance, you have a scheme or model for grocery shopping, a model for going to a restaurant, a model for doing the laundry, etc. These models are what allow us to function normally in society. These models are not concrete. They have the ability to flex and change with new input. But there can be a gap between the receiving of the new input and the changing. This gap is where most people get in trouble. The girl walking home from the grocery store, arms loaded with bags, has a certain shopping model in her head. That doesn't include the possibility of assault. 
So when the friendly stranger approaches her and offers to help her bring the groceries inside her apartment, it's easy for her to dismiss any instinctive danger signals and subsequently miss or outright ignore any clues as to his real intentions. Likewise, the young man on the subway train with his nose buried in his smartphone may miss the fidgety guy standing way too close to him with a clear exit line. His subway ride, his subway ride model doesn't currently have space in it for being mugged, so he remains oblivious. Fortunately, because our models are so flexible, we can purposely fill in the gaps and by doing so, raise our situational awareness and improve our ability to act quickly. This can be done in a few ways. The first and easiest way is to simply take an extra few minutes every day to do an awareness check. Look around you and answer the who, what, where, why, and how questions. If you can consciously do this for just a couple of minutes every day, it will soon become an ingrained habit and you will find yourself making these checks constantly without any thought on your part at all. The second way is to observe people around you and analyze their behavior patterns. If you were a criminal, who would you pick as a target? Why? What about them screams victim? Now, just do the opposite of whatever they're doing. Less victim behavior, less chance of becoming a victim. The third way is to incorporate modeling into your combat training. This is an excellent way to expand your current models to include the possibility of violence. You can set your stimulations to a specific model like eating in a restaurant or walking to your car and then allow them to play out. You can give the attacker a secret cue of when to strike, adding in variables like friends or innocent bystanders to keep it dynamic. Doing this not only trains situational awareness, it also trains the ability to switch on and deal with the threat with a proper aggressive mindset. Increase your situational awareness isn't complicated, but don't mistake uncomplicated for unnecessary. Most violent encounters can be avoided or stopped before they begin, just through proper situational awareness. The ability to assess your environment at any given moment is just as important as your ability to throw a knockout punch. So now that I got that off my chest, let me add one more cautionary reminder about an important topic to us practicing martial arts artists and everybody else, self-defense and the law. Why you want to stay out of court. The legal foundation for a claim of self-defense rests on the following propositions. I have a right to use force against a person who appears to have the means, opportunity, and intent to harm me or someone else. And this right ends the moment the threat subsides. For instance, once my assailant no longer has the means to attack me. Previous Los Angeles County District Attorney and California State Criminal Lawyer Stephen Levine has some important points of interest to consider on the subject of self-defense and the law. The claim to self-defense rests on your state of mind. In California, you have to be acting out of fear of the other party and not for any other reason. 
And even if you seem to be operating within this standard, that doesn't mean you're going to be free and clear if your case goes to court. The right to self-defense is a common law right, which means it is not a create a creature a creature of statute. So there are no laws on the books per se. Instead, there is a body of case law that has been installed into jury instructions. And when the jury gets their instructions, they have to decide whether you are guilty or innocent based on the language of those jury instructions. The way to prevail with a claim of self-defense is to have it accepted prior to filing, because once the district attorney's office is invested in your case, they're just not going to let it go. It's at the pre-filing stage where you need for them to say, I'm not filing this. That was just self-defense. If they think it's something more than you, my friend, are going into the system. If someone is highly trained in a martial art, he will probably have a much better sense of when to fight and know when to defend himself quickly. To the extent that you as a martial artist can conceive the responding officer convince, excuse me, the responding officer that you were in real peril, I don't think anybody is going to begrudge you having that background in defending yourself. But what exactly did you do? That's still the question. Did you resort to deadly force immediately? Did you break the guy's arm in three places? If your assailant just walks away with a bruise on his cheek, no one's going to care that you hit him. While throwing a punch is generally considered a misdemeanor, it is a result-oriented crime, meaning that the same act can be a misdemeanor or, like previous clients of mine, a state prison felony case. A battery shouldn't necessarily be results-oriented, but it is. Generally speaking, everything depends on the result of whether actions took whatever actions you took to defend yourself. Robert Fulgham, the esteemed author of All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, reminds us, Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the ability to effectively cope with it. Additionally, when you show respect and deep empathy toward others, their defensive energy goes down and positive energy replaces it. That's when you can get more creative in solving problems. Stephen Covey. Final thoughts. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Victor Frankel. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of Round 12. May you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until we meet again, time!